Hey, Christ community. Happy Easter to all of you. Thanks for letting me be a part of your spiritual journey today. So my wife and I have been married uh, for 32 years. We have a great relationship. We don't have a lot of things that we disagree about. But there is one thing that we view completely differently, and it has to do with washing the car. So Raylene loves for her car to be spotless. Any dirt on her vehicle drives her nuts. She has no problem paying eight bucks to go through a car wash to make sure it's clean. For me, I feel like that's the biggest waste of $8 in the world. Why? Because it's only going to get dirty again, probably within a few hours of washing it. So why wash a car that's going to get dirty again? Now, when we periodically have these little arguments about this, you know, minor arguments about this, Raylene will say something like, well, then let's just not clean the house. But I'm like, no, that's different. I live in my house. I don't live on the outside of my vehicle. If my car is dirty, it has no impact on my quality of life. Now, we've, we've figured out how to manage this in our marriage. I realize this is important to her, and I'm totally fine with her getting her car washed. It's just not something that I see as important. The reality is cars get dirty. That is the trajectory for a car on this planet. But it's not just cars. This is actually the natural trajectory of our lives on this planet. In general, our human experience is not about moving from dirty to clean or from messy to order. It actually seems to be moving in the other direction. A little over a year ago, none of us had even heard of this thing called COVID-19. Now here we are a year later knowing that lots of people have died from complications related to covid and that's just a vivid reminder of how vulnerable we are as a human race. But it goes beyond COVID. We live in a culture that is increasingly violent and polarized. Religious persecution and oppression around the world are on the rise. Even with all of the creature comforts we have and the advancements in technology, depression and anxiety and suicide are increasing at an alarming rate among all age groups, but especially among young people teenagers who are struggling with despair. Over the past few years, surveys continue to reveal that the vast majority of people feel that the overall trajectory of life on our planet is not good. And the question is, what, what does that do in our souls? You know, when we stop and honestly assess all that is happening in our world and in our own lives, it, it can begin to feel hopeless the trajectory of things is headed in a direction that often leads us to feelings of, of despair. Now, people can offer all sorts of explanations for why the world is the way it is, but the one that I find most compelling is the one given to us in the first few pages of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was good. Things were not deteriorating. The trajectory of life and relationships was toward wholeness and goodness and love. But the Bible tells us that in this environment, the pinnacle of God's creation, Adam and Eve, they chose to rebel against him. And that rebellion set our planet on the trajectory that we see and experience all around us. The realities of grocery store shootings and a pandemic and conflict and injustice. What do, we, what do we do with these feelings of despair that can easily creep into our souls? What we desperately need is hope. The opposite of despair is 
hope. So where can we find hope in the midst of a world like ours? Well, we discover the answer to that question in the last two chapters of the Bible, which is found in the book of Revelation. Revelation is this very symbolic and vivid description of the future of this world, of what is to come. And in the last few chapters of Revelation, we see this amazing vision where the kingdom of heaven comes down to this broken planet and the very presence and fullness of God are here. And here is what it says God is going to do. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. This is God's heart and ultimate plan for humanity. It is to completely change the trajectory of life on this planet. Tears of sadness will be replaced with laughter and joy. The brokenness and pain of injustice, abuse, and heartache will be replaced with God making all things right. The despair of death will be replaced with life. In these verses, Jesus says that he will make all things new. That's an amazing statement. He's not saying that he will just kind of patch up and glue back together things that are broken so that they don't look as bad. Nor is he saying that he will bring temporary relief from our pain. No, he is saying that he will completely restore what is broken. He will make all things right. He will completely change the trajectory of life on this planet. This is the future hope that Jesus offers us. But the question is, how do we know this is true? How do we know Jesus has the chops to pull this off? Well, the answer to that question is is found smack dab in between God's good creation in Genesis 1 and 2 and and his glorious restoration in Revelation 21 and, and 22. Right in the middle, in the midst of the first century Roman world that was heading down a trajectory of oppression and division and destruction and death, Jesus showed up. And he began proclaiming a new way of living, a new trajectory that didn't at all fit into the world's paradigm, the world's way of living. He referred to this as the kingdom of God. So then he taught about this kingdom and he demonstrated the reality of this kingdom by healing people and setting them free from demonic bondage, all of which were evidence that he had the power to change the trajectory of life on this planet, right? Reversing disease, defeating demons. But there was one ultimate enemy that would need to be conquered in order for us to know for sure that Jesus truly could pull off this complete restoration project in the future. And that enemy was death itself. Adam and Eve's rebellion in Genesis 3 ushered in the reality of death for all of humanity. The the Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans, the book of Romans chapter 5, therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. See, that is our human dilemma. That is our ultimate dilemma. There is no escaping death. There is no defeating death. No matter how well advanced 
our medical technologies. I mean, they, those things can delay our death, but they don't defeat it. The trajectory of all of our lives leads to death. And this is why this whole Easter thing is such a big deal. Easter is not simply a day to celebrate the newness of life found in spring. You know, it's not simply a holiday to get family together and do COVID-restricted Easter egg hunts, whatever that looks like. No, it, it is a day for us to stop in the midst of our busy lives and to honestly look at the natural trajectory of where things are headed. But instead of despairing, we can have real hope. Our hope for a restored world is not a pipe dream, and it's not found in political leaders or medical advancements. It's found in the person of Jesus who experienced the full weight of our enemy, death. I mean, he di Jesus died on a cross and was buried in a tomb, but on the third day, he rose from the dead, and in that moment, he proved that even death itself was not a worthy enough opponent for him. So what does this mean for us today? What, what, what difference does this make in our lives today? Well, there are two things I want to mention. First, the resurrection of Jesus reveals to us that Jesus is absolutely able to pull off the ultimate restoration described in Revelation 21. He is absolutely able to make all things new, which means we can place our hope in him. Jesus promises to put an end to violence. He promises to put an end to injustice and prejudice. He promises to put an end to war and pain and death. No one else can make and keep that promise but Jesus, the resurrected one. Think of the impact this hope can have in our lives. You know, I've noticed how when, I'm, when I watch a basketball or football game live, I can find myself getting pretty nervous, you know, I'm stressful, is my team gonna win? But if I'm watching a recording of a game that I already know that my team wins, I'm totally chill, I'm totally chill. Even when they're down by like 20 points, I know they're gonna come back. Jesus tells us in his word that he will make all things new. That's a promise we know he can keep because he already defeated our ultimate enemy through his resurrection. So that means no matter what messed up brokenness is happening in our lives or in our world right now, we can experience peace in the midst of that because we know the final outcome. So that's one impact of the resurrection, providing us a hope for a, a restored future, but there's another impact. The resurrection of Jesus provides the power for a trajectory change in our lives right now. Because of Jesus' resurrection, he is alive in us. For anyone who has given their allegiance to and trust in Jesus, the very spirit of Jesus lives in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you, which means that he wants to bring life and restoration into any of these, those places in you and me that feel lifeless, that feel hopeless. Jesus is able to change the trajectory of our lives in the present. See, one of the, one of the realities of this whole COVID experience for many of us is that it unknowingly fostered this season 
a 12-month-long season, really, of, of self-focus and isolation, which creates a potent breeding ground for discouragement and fear, for distance and anger in our relationships, for lethargy and indifference in our spiritual lives and our desire to serve and connect with others. You know, in, in physics, there's this term called inertia. Inertia is our natural resistance to movement. So a bowling ball sitting on the grass has inertia. It is going to resist any effort to move it. <clears throat> it will take a power greater than itself to get it going. And I, I think we all can agree that the last 12 months have created these places of inertia in our lives. These places where there is now this kind of instinctive resistance to movement, you know, just feeling stuck. And this, in, this instinctive inertia, this instinctive resistance to movement. But there is a longing in our hearts that is deeper than that inertia. And that, long, that is a longing for growth. It's a longing for, for new life. We long for awakening. We, we long for greater wholeness and deepening relationships. But we need a power greater than ourselves for that inertia to be overcome. Well, that's what the resurrection is all about. It's not about our, pow our power to change ourselves. It's about a savior who experienced our ultimate enemy, the, the eternal inertia of death. And Jesus overcame it so that he could fill us with his resurrection power, enabling real change to happen in the present. Jesus is able to fill those places in our lives where discouragement and fear have taken hold. Jesus is able to fill those places in our lives where anger and bitterness are destroying our relationships. Jesus is able to fill those places in our lives where spiritual apathy and indifference have settled in. Through his resurrection power, Jesus is able to overcome these places of inertia in our lives and bring his transformation. The question is, are we willing to let him do that? Let's pray together. So I want to invite you, however you're engaging in this, wherever you're engaging in this, would you take just a moment, let's just quiet our hearts and tune into what's going on in our hearts. And let me just ask you, where is your heart today as it relates to the world, the trajectory of our world? Are, are you struggling some with, with feelings of despair or hopelessness? You know, longing for our world to be made right, but not really seeing any hope for that? Jesus promises to make all things new. He is just as mad about suffering and death and injustice as you are. But again, the question is, are, are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to place your trust in this one who died for you and rose from the dead and who one day will make all things new? Maybe you have never done that. Maybe you have never placed your trust in, in, in him and giving your allegiance to Jesus. So if, if, if that's the case and you want to do that, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. 
Just pray along with me in the silence of your heart. Dear God, I acknowledge that you are holy and good, but I'm not. I have chosen to go my own way and do my own thing. I acknowledge that I need your forgiveness and life. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for that, dying on the cross for me. And I choose to place my trust in you. I give my allegiance to you. And I receive from you your forgiveness and the presence of your spirit living in me. Come fill me now with your life-giving presence. Change me from the inside out through the power of your resurrection. Father, I pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. I pray they would grow now <clears throat> in their relationship with you. But I want to get I want to give now a second opportunity for a response. Again, as you're quieting your heart, let me just ask you, in what areas of your life do you feel that inertia has settled in? You feel kind of stuck, like a bowling ball sitting on the grass. I mean, we can all picture that in our minds, but here's the deal. Bowling balls weren't created to sit on the grass. They were created for movement. And you were created for movement, for new life. So I want to invite you right now to welcome the presence of the resurrected King into these places of inertia in your life. Ask him to have his way in you, to release his life in you. So let's just do that right now in the quiet of your heart. Ask him to do that. Jesus, thank you for being alive. Thank you for your resurrection. And we pray, we ask for your resurrection power to be unleashed in our hearts, in our relationships, in our spiritual lives. Bring restoration, bring the awakening that we long for. And fill us as well with your hope for a restored planet. Only you can pull that off. So we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name.